Hello, this is Larry Post, Senior Tax and Planning Advisor at Baltimore Washington Financial Advisors. This is another edition of a podcast, and this is a two-part series on paying for college, saving for college, and the tax incentives built into the Internal Revenue Code to help offset the cost of college. This is going to be broken into two parts with today's podcast talking about planning for college, saving for college, and how do you pay for it. And part two will be about graduating, paying off student loans, as well as talking about scholarships and what is and is not taxable. Let's start with a quick discussion about the cost of college. It is estimated that the average price of college for a public in-state education is around $88,000 for four years. A public out-of-state education will cost around $153,300. And a private college education over four years can exceed $200,000. Considering that $200,000 is the median home price in the United States, there are many people who will pay close to or more than the cost of a house for a college education. Now, I don't want to say that college education is not worth it. There are many, many studies out there that will show you that those who have a four-year degree or more earn more over their lifetime. So it is not something that I, I personally take lightly. I have always been a lifelong learner and consider education never wasted. But understand that the cost of college is high. Now, the tax law does have certain things built into it to encourage behaviors. And those are what we consider social behaviors when the tax law encourages you to do things. Um, and education is one of them. Charity is another where the tax law encourages you to be tax, um, to make taxable uh, donations. So in this case with education, there are tax incentives that are being given to you in order to do something. And it's giving you incentives to do something that most people would ordinarily do anyways. So as I explained, this part of the podcast will talk about how do we plan, save, and pay for college. So there are a few ways to save for college in a tax-efficient or tax-incentive manner. The first would be to use the Coverdell IRAs, what we call educational IRAs. You get a $2,000 maximum per year per beneficiary contribution to the IRA. You can do this until the student is 18 years old. Once the student turns 18, you can no longer make a contribution. The contributions to the educational IRAs are not tax deductible. And the earnings, as you pull the money out to pay for college, the earnings would not be taxable, assuming you use that income to pay for qualified education expenses. So let's talk about what are qualified education expenses. That would include tuition, fees, books, supplies, travel back and forth to school, as well as room and board. So most of the things we talk about would be included. Now, 
Things that aren't included would be uh, spending money. If you do not take a meal plan from your college and just have money for food, that would not be. So these are things that are paid directly, typically to the institution and or some supplies that we may and travel that would not be paid. The disadvantages to the Coverdell or educational IRAs is the fact that it's a very low maximum contribution of $2,000. Basically, if you start at year of birth, you're talking $36,000 that you can put into this, which doesn't even pay in some cases for one year of college. You can also not make a contribution if your income is over $95,000 for a single individual or $190,000 married filing joint. And that is adjusted gross income is the threshold. So what we see most people using to save for college is the 529 plans. And there are actually two types of 529 plans. There is the prepaid tuition or the college savings. And I'm going to talk about both of those and the advantages and disadvantages. The prepaid tuition is set up in a way that you pay tuition in today's dollars for future costs. So in other words, you're guaranteed to grow with the tuition increases. These are state programs that allow you to go to state schools that are part of that state's program. You prepay either course credits or whole semesters. So you can buy a full, a full semester's tuition, you can pay for individual course credits, and like I said, is when it comes time to go to college, if you go to one of the state schools that are included in the plan, you've paid for those courses and or the full semester. Again, you're guaranteed that your money grows with the cost of college increases. Now, the disadvantage obviously is when your child is born or when they're young, you don't know where they're going to go to school. Do you know they're going to go to a state school within the state you live in and go to the schools included in the plan? Many people move. I know I personally moved with my children from one state to another. So didn't end up um, living in the state where we started saving for college. So that is a disadvantage. Now, things that can take place so you don't want to lose the money is some states have reciprocity with other states. So you can go to another state school if your plan has reciprocity with another state plan. You see that a lot in tri-state areas. You can transfer unused money to another sibling so that next sibling could go to a state school. Or some state plans allow you to go anywhere and they will credit you or pay your new school with the average tuition and fees applied to an out-of-state college. So you go to an out-of-state college and they're not part uh, and they don't have reciprocity, they may pay the average tuition and fees applied for the in-state to the out-of-state. So you won't lose your money in that manner. Another question comes up is what happens if I do this prepaid tuition and my child gets a scholarship 100%? Well, the states most states plan allow you to take the money back out if it's not used due to scholarships, you'll be taxed on the earnings, 
but you won't pay the 10% penalty for not using it for qualified education expenses. So then at that point, it became a tax deferred savings vehicle because you'll pay tax now uh, without any penalties, just regular income tax. Again, that only applies if you take the money out because of receiving a scholarship. If you ever take money out of one of these plans, you are subject to not only the income tax on the earnings, but a 10% penalty for not using it for qualified education expenses. So that's the a little discussion about adjusted gross income. The contribution limits are set at the state level. Many of them allow contributions of $380,000 per year or more. And again, like I said, there's no phase out for adjusted gross income, so anybody can contribute to a college savings plan. One issue you gotta be realize is that if you do contribute more than the annual gift tax exclusion, currently at $15,000 per person, you may be subject to gift tax because contributions in excess of that are gifts. Though there is a little advantage in the gift tax law that says you can make five years or $75,000 gift in one year and have it apply to the next five years gifts to that person. Now, understand that you cannot make additional gifts in the next four years to that person, but you basically what we call front load a 529 plan to allow it to grow tax free over the years. So that's a summary of the different savings vehicles. Again, you have the Coverdale or Educational IRA, and you have two types of 529 plans, the prepaid tuition and the college savings. Obviously, the college savings is the most popular. If you can earn more than the increased annual cost of college, you're actually doing better than the prepaid tuition. The nice part about the prepaid tuition, if you know they're going to go to a state school, is your college is covered dollar for dollar, you've paid for the tuition. Typically, it's the tuition only. Um, when you do that plan, you're not getting into fees, books, room, and board. Uh, the 529 obviously uh, allows you, the savings account allows you to save for those other expenses as well. Now, once you get into college and you start paying for college, there are some tax credits that are available, both deductions and tax credits, and let's talk quickly about those. There is the tuition and fees deduction, there is the American Opportunity Tax Credit, and the Lifetime Learning Tax Credit. So, the tuition and fees, um, if you have a dependent and you are making uh, payments for college education, the parent can claim the deduction or the credits if you are claiming that student as a dependent. If the student is, a, is not a dependent of you and they are uh, living on their own, they're not a dependent, they don't they're not claimed by somebody else, who can take the credit deductions or credits will depend on who's making the payment. Okay, if the, if, if the parents are making the payment, but the student is not a dependent, then ultimately no one may get the deduction or credit. So, let's talk about the tuition and fees. The tuition and fees 
deduction is an above the line deduction, so it is not an itemized deduction. It is uh, available to part-time students or to full-time students who are obtaining a degree. It is limited to $4,000 per year and it's only one student per year. So if you have multiple uh, children you're sending to college, you're limited to the deduction of $4,000. And that deduction will then be at your effective tax rate. We typically see that the credits I'm gonna talk about are more valuable than the deduction, but obviously every individual every year needs to determine the best uh, method for the credit or the deductions. The American Opportunity Credit which used to be called the HOPE Scholarship Credit in the past, is available to uh, students in their first four years of college and must be going for a degree. You must be a minimum of a part-time student or more. And the credit is a maximum of $2,500, and that is a tax credit. It's 100% of the first $2,000 spent and 25% of the next 2,000. So again, it's a maximum of $4,000 and you get a $2,500 credit. The advantage is there's an unlimited number of students. So if you have multiple children or multiple uh, dependents that are going to school, you can get $2,500 per student with no maximum number of students. The lifetime learning credit applies any time in your life. It's not just the first four years. You do not need to be getting a degree. You can use it to take classes to acquire or improve job skills. So again, one-off classes that are used to acquire or improve job skills. The maximum credit here is $2,000. It is 20% up to $10,000 of tuition and fees. And it is only one credit per return. So the $2,000 credit is one per return, applies to all students, including yourself, the taxpayer, and your spouse. Um, and it's a maximum of 10,000 spending times 20%. Again, as I talk about these, the dollars you typically cannot get, um, you can sometimes get the American Opportunity Credit, the Lifetime Learning Credit on multiple returns depending on the students, who's going to school, not, so you have to kind of look at in total how these all apply. The dollars can never be used for credits and deductions at the same time and understand that. Um, so you have to kind of figure out where you uh, are, how much you're taking and the each year determine the best benefit based on the deductions and credits. I hope this part one of the podcast has given you a lot of information about the different types of savings, the different types of deductions and credits available once you start going to school. Understand also there are some deductions for making contributions to 529 plans within the state. Um, every state is different. I know here in Maryland where we uh, um, have our firm. Maryland allows a uh, deduction on the Maryland return for contributions made to the Maryland 529 plan. So please check with your state and where you live um, when deciding which 
529 plan to contribute to. You can contribute to other states' 529 plans. You're not limited to the state of residence and where you live. So I hope that has been helpful. Uh, Part two to this podcast, again, like I said, we'll talk about um, receiving scholarships, what's taxable, what's not, and then once you graduate, what type of student loan interest is deductible and what is not, depending on who pays it. Uh, That podcast should be posted within the next week of today. Um, Obviously, if you uh, listen to this, uh, you may find that both podcasts are already there. Again, uh, I want everybody to call, email if you have any questions. Be more than happy to talk about this further and see how BWFA can help you with your college financial planning. Uh, Please be safe out there.